Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is brought to you by CDI Managed Services, who outsources IT infrastructure support and private cloud computing, and also by EMC Corporation, a leading provider of IT storage hardware solutions. I'm your host today, Dominic Rainey, and we have two great leaders uh, in the in the studio today uh, from Roswell Urgent Care Center. We have Dr. Judith Dennis, MD, and uh, from the Children's Village of Christian City. We uh, have uh, their uh, chief operating officer, Phil Coons. Welcome to both of you to the show today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for here. taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. So let's kick it off with uh, Judith, as you prefer to be called. Uh, Judith, tell us a little bit about Roswell Urgent Care Center and what you do over there. Well, we are an urgent care center. And um, for those of you that don't know what an urgent care is, in the legalese of things, it's a medical center that delivers ambulatory services on a walk-in basis. That means that you don't need to make an appointment in any venue outside of the emergency department. So once you get the legalese aside, what is it that we do? We treat illnesses and injuries that aren't life-threatening but do need to be taken care of in an expedient nature. Um, we take care of more routine illnesses as well. We do camp and sport physicals. We do a lot of workers' compensation and employee-paid services. Well, Judith, uh, so what is the difference in a in a in an urgent care? Is it different than an emergency room in a hospital? Well, very much so. I mean, by the the definition, an emergency is a life or limb threatening illness or injury, severe pain or bleeding, and an urgency, as I said, is a condition that needs to be treated in an expedient manner, but does not necessarily need to be seen right away. Um, urgent cares have extended hours. They're open on. We're open in the evenings, open weekends, we're open most holidays. The emergency department is there for you always. It's mm -hmm. there 24-7, 365. Um, emergency departments have immediate access to a host of ancillary services. They have their specialists. They have um, advanced imaging, things like CT, ultrasound, MRI, and of course admission into the hospital that um, an urgent care would not have. Well, I've been in emergency rooms, and you sit for hours sometimes. Um, yeah, there's many studies, and you can look at the numbers. But in general, all comers, the average visit time for an urgent care from door in to door out is going to be about an hour. And for emergency rooms, it's going to be about four hours. Is that right? That's yeah. a big difference. A so difference. Uh, convenience, right around the corner, so to speak, and uh, availability. Those are great things. Well, those were the things that drove the development of urgent cares to begin with, a more cost-effective, cost-efficient, and time-efficient way to deliver quality care. Again, lots of studies, lots of numbers, but about 65% of patients at a minimum, depending on the study that you look at, that are seen in the emergency room could actually be seen without any compromising care in a less acute setting, such as an urgent care center. Okay, so urgent cares have been around a while. Um, is there a difference in one from one to another? Um, yes, they are. I mean, they are a relatively newcomer, as you know, with quotes around it, to the medical care 
uh, industry. But yes, there there are differences in them. There are some urgent cares, as we were talking a little bit earlier, that are chain. They're chain-owned, they're franchised, and they practice medicine in a more corporate model because of the general nature of a franchise or a chain. Uh, and there are some that are independently owned, like ours, and those are more able to tailor their care to meet the needs of their community at large or the culture in which they practice. Now, with any benefit always comes a minus. And what that means for consumers is not all urgent cares are able to provide the exact same scope or range of services. So sometimes it's let the patients are left to kind of call around and make sure that they're going someplace that can meet the need that they have. We're talking with Dr. Judith Dennis uh, with Roswell Urgent Care Center. Judith, uh, what's you know what's what's the difference in an urgent care center and what does it offer beyond what would be called primary care? Um, that's a good question, and that answer also varies from urgent care to urgent care. But in general, uh, your primary care physician—they say nobody should know you like your primary care physician—and that is true. Their focus is on prevention of illness and maintenance of health, whereas ours is on diagnostics and treatment of illness, um, a broader range of illnesses than they can do, as well as injuries. We have x-ray and lab capabilities, and most primary cares do not. So we're able to stabilize fractures, do splinting, repair lacerations. We're able to treat more complex or probably, you know, some more serious illnesses than they can in the primary care setting. We have EKG. We can do injections. We have IVs. We can give nebulizer treatments for asthma. We also have some in-house dispensing for the more common medications that we would use. Um, primary cares, I mean, their hours do vary, but mostly they work on a Monday through Friday 8 to 6, 9 to 5 type of time schedule, Whereas I said, we're open evening hours, we're open Saturday and Sunday, full days, and we're open most holidays. It looks like you're uh, pretty pretty involved in the community as a, as a business uh, owner and leader. Um, wh- why is that important to Roswell Urgent Care to be, you know, how are you guys involved? What's, you know, what activities, what's going on? Well, this is where I can talk your ear off, and for those of you that could see me, my hands start moving a little bit more. But um, that is really the heart of what we do. It's the sort of the essence of our mission statement. You know, to read, you know, everybody has a mission statement, but ours is to provide our community, and that's the very first sentence, with readily available expert medical care in an efficient and cost-effective manner. And we're very integrated into Roswell and the surrounding communities. We live here. We work here. Our families are here. Our kids go to school here. Um, Lindsay, who's over here with me today, is our marketing coordinator. And she was working on a project. And part of that project entailed making a list of all the community projects and charity things that we had done over the past couple of years. And looking at that list, not in a you know back-patting kind of way, but it was really impressive to me. And it... And it brought out a whole host of emotions. Um, I was mainly, I was proud of my staff and how hard they work and how much time they put in to things outside of the clinic. Um, they're very giving and very generous, and we spent a lot of time doing those things. Um, and I was also very honored and humbled that the community has embraced us, you know, at mm-hmm. large. These projects can range from things that are super small. I mean, like a preschool coming for a tour 
doing first aid badges with a brownie troop to, you know, slightly larger things like sponsoring sports teams, partnering with the schools, and then moving a little bit further out into working with the fire department and the police department for some of their national projects. They do, if you're familiar with the National Night Out, most people are familiar with Toys for Tots, mm -hmm. Operation Smile, those type of things. Um, since we are so well integrated into the schools, we do help the schools a lot uh, with uh, taking care of students that don't have any other means. We do their, maybe their sports physicals or camp physical or just take care of their medical care in general for them. Um, more recently, we had a, an opportunity to assist sort of the world community at large by supporting some of the local churches, and we were able to donate a lot of materials and equipment to them. And they went out and they did medical missions. This particular one was in Haiti. So Excellent. the community engagement and, and involvement is, is just at the heart of what we do. This is where I live. This is where I work. This is where my family and my kids are from. So. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. I actually was looking on your website and saw that you were running some kind of a, I call it a special, I don't <laughs> know what else to call it, uh, sports physicals. Well, our sports physicals actually are, it's interesting because we, we do them for $25. And that is the price that we do them. And every once in a while, we'll, we'll have coupons, we'll do some free ones for a while. But, it, you know, again, you know, a little back padding here. Yeah. They're half the price of the, um, the retail clinics and in people's mind, I think they think, oh, the retail clinic must be less expensive. My primary care must be less expensive. But if you do price shopping, which is becoming more and more available to consumers, which is a good thing, you'll see that they actually are, are quite inexpensive. Hmm. Well, when you think about med medical care, you don't, uh, most people, you know, are just kind of get ready to pull out the checkbook because, and you're really are cost conscious. We're uh, extremely cost conscious. Um, on a financial level, just comparing emergency department services versus urgent care services. And there's a lot of data, and you can look at um, UCAOA and debt.org has a lot of um, data to look at as well, because unfortunately, medical debt is probably the primary cause of personal um, bankruptcy in the, in the United States. But um, there's, you know, comparing... Most direct comparisons are between urgent cares and ERs. The, not only into the terms of cost that we talked about earlier, but most taking, you know, all comers, most visits to the emergency department are five times more expensive than they would be in an urgent care. Mm -hmm. And it's always important anytime you look at data, because numbers can be manipulated so very easily to compare apples to apples. Mm -hmm. You want to look at the cost of treating a sprain in, in an urgent care versus the cost of you know treating an open complex fracture in an ER. Those would not be fair and valid comparisons. But they've done many studies where they've taken the top 10 diagnostics for urgent care, sprains, sore throats, urinary tract infections, um, minor fractures, and then taken the same top 10, moved over to the emergency department and looked at them over there, shook them all out. And nationwide, the urgent care cost was $125 and the ER cost was 655 So that's a very wow. large difference. Significant. And most people, if they do have insurance, you know, they're familiar with their card and their copay and coinsurance. Urgent care, 25 to 50 in general, or, um, emergency department, 100 to 200. So the 
copay alone for a lot of patients to for an ER visit would cover the entire cost of their urgent care visit, even if they had to pay for the whole thing mm-hmm. out of pocket. And cost, of course, becomes a huge factor when patients are uninsured or self-pay. And we have very transparent pricing. You can call us with insurance, without insurance, tell us what your general illness or injury is, and my front office staff can tell you almost to the penny what your visit is going to be so there is no surprises. So there's no limita- I mean, no limitations on the, the kind of insurance coverage? Uh, or do you accept most insurance? We accept you have most, relationships with yes, most of the we carriers? accept most of the major carriers plus Medicare. Um, as I said, we have um, a very, you know, a very simple, and it gets more to the complexities and boring issues of billing and contracting, but for almost all of our carriers, we're what's called a single-charge payer. So if you go to the emergency room and you have an x-ray, you have an ER charge, you have a radiology charge, you have a radiology reading charge, and you have a hospital charge for the privilege of sitting in the room. Whereas for urgent care, for the overwhelming majority, and certainly for ours, you have a charge. Mm -hmm. That is your charge. That is it. You get one bill, that's your charge. And we can tell you what that's going to be. And for our self-pay patients, we always let them know of any treatment or or study or lab that we would be considering what that price would be. You know, right up front. Absolutely. That's excellent. There's a little, like a menu. You know. Yeah. People hate surprises, and that's one of them. Wow. They don't like to get that bill. Absolutely. And people, that's great to be that transparent about it. I mean, people will sometimes I mean, literally send us emails of a laceration and say, do you have an idea how much it would cost to sew this? You know, mm-hmm. I get pictures of very strange things um, from time to time. Um, with patients sure wanting to know how much that would cost to take care of. <laughs> Dr. Judith Dennis with Roswell Urgent Care Center. Judith, uh, so, you know, what, what took you in this direction? Um, how, did, how did you get, you know, make this decision to open your own deal? Well, um, it's, you know, there's a, a long version and a short version. I will, I will try to, to cone it down for you. I am emergency medicine residency trained and board certified and worked in emergency departments for most of my career. I did almost eight full years as an assistant professor for the Department of Surgery, supervising attending at Grady. And then I had five or six years at another emergency department, five or six years at another. After I had my my last child at the advanced age of 43, when I came back to work, I started working in a business modeled as sort of a freestanding emergency department in the same location that we are in now. It was owned by someone else, and they were from Texas, where that's actually a valid business model, freestanding emergency department. It is not in the state of Georgia, and unfortunately his business Mm. closed. So it stayed closed for about a year, and I really, really loved working there. I'd spent my entire career working in the emergency department with, you know, which is one and done. You know, you see them and you never see them again. And I loved working with these patients that I saw multi-generations of their family. I saw them over and over again. I knew their kids. Um, it was like being an old-time family doc in, in many ways. And um, 
the business sat there for a while and um, I approached the landlord and we talked about it and I made an offer. And once the banks finished working through, you know, what he owned and what he didn't own, I purchased the business and there we have it. And so, so we opened up August 1st of 2008 and there we are. Well, excellent. That's great. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's you got beyond the point of uh, no return. Yeah. <laughs> you had to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Infer- <laughs> well, with all that medical, you know, experience and background uh, to go off and do your own thing, that had, uh, that had, I mean, that, that says a lot about you. Well, you know, there's a lot of people get complacent in their surroundings in the medical arena, you know. So, um, has urgent care, has that, has that, has that model improved? Uh, for ba- patients uh, oh. to access care, and how does someone make a decision? You know, uh, you said it earlier, it's if it's a serious type thing, how do you differentiate? As a normal person, you know, and I'm there and I cut my finger or do, or I don't feel right, you know, I get dizzy, whatever. How do I decide whether to come around in the corner and see you or go to the Well, one hospital? of the first things that we always tell patients is you can always call. You can always, call to find out. You can Check always in. call your local urgent care. You can call us, um, and we we and can advise them. and we can say, oh, you know, goodness, no, that needs to go to the emergency department. Again, it the the serious things that most people are aware of: severe acute abdominal pain, stroke symptoms, seizures, chest pain, you know, high velocity, you know, motor vehicle collisions. Those things are sort of self evident. Mm-hmm. And then the smaller things like sore throats, runny nose, cough, sprained ankle, small lacerations as well, pretty self-evident. It's the stuff in the middle that people have questions about. Um, I have some pain. It's not that severe. Can they see me? Um, I have a, f- a fracture in my forearm. It's not an open fracture. Is that something they can see? And the answer to both of those questions is yes. But, you know, the... Uh, Sometimes it's that gray area that they confuses patients, and they're always, always welcome to call and ask. Okay. Uh, again, I always tell patients if you're in doubt and you have any concerns, always, you know, operate on the side of caution. Excellent, excellent. Um, can I make an appointment if you I want to see you? Do I have just call in and take a number, or um, you, you can I call ahead and say I'd like to see you? And I uh, you, you can do those things. We have an online system where you can make same-day appointments. You just go to our website, click online, and we're in the middle of setting up a, a new one, which is not in place, but we're hoping it'll be in place in the next couple of weeks, where um, it will actually have real-time visits, like mm-hmm. the um, airport, and you can kind of see where you are in the queue, and um if you leave a phone number or an email or a, a cell phone number, it'll text you and it'll say, hey, you're up in the next 15 minutes. So if you want to go hang out next door at the Starbucks or behind us at the Coles or across the street at uh, you know, Trader Joe's or, or over toward the Target, you can do that and it'll let you know that your appointment's coming up in about 15 minutes. But Excellent. most of our appointments are walk-in. I would, you know, mm-hmm. 90s, I would say 90% plus of our appointments are walk-in. Okay. Anything new coming up for what's in the future for, for your, your medical practice and, um, you know, what's going on there for what's coming down the pike for Roswell Urgent Care Center or any uh, new staff or anything out there? Um, well, uh, we have some changes. We are, um, excuse me, we are putting another room in 
We're not the adding on. We're not adding on. We're just repurposing what was our lab space into a patient room and, and consolidating. Um, again, I took over somebody else's business. And so it's not necessarily set up the way that, you know, you would set up something perfectly in your mind if you could do it from scratch. But we really could use that extra space for mm-hmm. patient rooms. We have um, six now, which is um, are from the outside, it looks deceptively much smaller and patients walk in and go, holy smokes. Oh, it's they're huge. surprised. It is. It, it's, it's huge I, on the inside. It sort of just opens up like a cavern. Well, you get to customize it now. Yeah. You get to lay it out the way you want it. So we, um, we're putting in a new room. We're trying to uh, get this new system set up for the online appointment so that um, my staff doesn't have to call them and text them, which is what they were doing in the past. The system will automatically do that. Um, we're doing more and more occupational services. Um, those are things that most family practitioners don't do and emergency departments certainly don't do. And that's things like pre-employment physicals, urine drug screens, helping employers set up um, ergonomic workplaces so that their employees don't get injured, helping them set up drug-free workplaces for those that want to do that. Um, we take care of workers' comp injuries, be they through workers' comp insurance or for small mom and pops, you know, mm-hmm. self, on a self-pay type of basis. So we're, we're moving into doing um, a lot more of, of those things as well. Okay. Um, we also have a very large, um, I don't want to call them necessarily senior group, but Lindsay spends a lot of time and we have a lot of um, around that community in Roswell, mm-hmm. assisted livings, independent living, senior oh, you livings. You cater to those? And we do, so? we oh, spend great. a lot of time Excellent. out at those places Excellent. for various events as well. Okay, so you get out and about. We do get out and about. We're everywhere. Excellent, excellent. We're everywhere. All right, we've been talking with uh, Dr. Judith Dennis. Uh, She's the head uh, doctor and owner of Roswell Urgent Care Center in uh, Roswell, Georgia. Um, Judith, tell uh, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you to get a little more information or make an appointment or get involved and come see you. They can go to Mm roswellurgentcare.com. They can... Click through to the phone number and give us a call. They can go to the appointment, um, the appointment tab and make an appointment. They can call us. They can email us. They can email um, any of us directly by name at RoswellUrgentCare.com. Um, let's see. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. We have LinkedIn. Okay. Um, socially connected. That's we, we are socially connected. That's, that's, that's the beauty of having younger staff. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Judith. Uh, we appreciate you being on the show. Uh, you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, uh, brought to you by CDI Managed Services and EMC Corporation. Our next guest is uh, Phil Coons. Phil is the COO at uh, Children's the, the Children's or Children's? The Children's. The Children's Village at Christian City. Okay, Phil, tell us about uh, your organization and what's going on. Well, Dominic, thank you very much, and it's really a pleasure to be here today to represent Christian City. Um, Christian City began back on Valentine's Day in 1965, 50 years ago next year, as a home for children that had no other place to go. And uh, we opened our doors on Valentine's Day with eight little boys who needed a place to stay in a cottage with a full-time mom and dad 
to provide all around care and services for those children. And here we are today still doing that, uh, working on a campus uh, in Union City, Georgia, just south of the Atlanta airport off Interstate 85. And you have a lot of programs there uh, at the facility. We do have a lot of programs. Christian City Incorporated operates uh, seven 501c3s on Mm -hmm. that campus. Mm -hmm. Um, The Children's Village happens to be the oldest of of those programs, those ministries. Uh, We also have retirement community, uh, patio homes, uh, a life lease purchase type of arrangement, Five-story assisted living center, five-story nursing, skilled nursing rehab center, uh, about 1,100 people on 500 acres. Oh, this is a major campus. It is a major campus. It has a full-time pharmacy, delivers on campus, uh, a fitness center, health center, swimming pool, Hmm. as well as the Children's Village. Oh, wow. And Phil, where exactly is it located? We're located just off of Highway 138 East off of Interstate 85 South uh, on uh, at the intersection of Lester and Red Oak Roads. Okay. Okay. Short drive from downtown Atlanta. Okay. Are there certain ages of children? What what ages do you guys cater to or service? We uh, we are a licensed facility. When, when Christian City first opened from 1965 to 1993, uh, we only accepted private placements. In other words, uh, families like yours and mine that ran into financial difficulties, maybe had alcohol, drug issues, maybe just didn't want their children. They could bring their, their kids to us at all ages, mm-hmm. uh, retain legal custody. We would take physical custody with a place, placement agreement and provide medical, dental, educational, as well as uh, what's what a lot of people refer to as three hots and a cot, you know, uh, <laughs> three good meals and a place to sleep is far more than that. We had a family focused environment. So uh, when we became licensed in 1993 by the state of Georgia, uh, our licensure then said ages five and above. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, same sex cottages prior prior to licensure in 93, uh, we operated as a family. We had boys and girls together and uh moms and dads in those cottages. But all of a sudden, you know, that little girl that I thought was supposed to be my sister was looking kind of cute. And uh, we created some romances that we really had hoped not would create. And so the state said, no, same-sex cottages, only eight in a cottage. And so we serve ages five all the way through uh, college graduation. So accreditation is important. Accreditation is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are uh, licensed by the state of Georgia to, to serve uh, as institutional foster care. It's really not a foster care program. Uh, we're, we're, we're actually labeled as a child care institution by the state, meaning we have more than 12 beds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, it's very important to us. Uh, our scoring is excellent. Uh, our last report, in fact, uh, out of 100%, we ended up with 107% uh, rating on the care that we provide to children. We're talking with Phil Coons with uh, the Children's Village Christian City. Phil, uh, so has there been a lot of other the trends changing today? The, the kids that you well, see they, coming in versus years ago? Yeah, I, I think so, Dominic. There are se- there are several trends that are changing. Um, n- number one, na- nationally, uh, there's there's been a movement to try to what uh, social welfare experts would call deinstitutionalize. Uh, children in care, move children out of the old uh, stereotyped uh, orphanage that really very seldom exists today anywhere in this country. 
uh, and to get those children into more uh, family-focused environments, whether it's with their natural family with support, whether it's in foster care, whether it's in our type of family-focused community-based care. Also, we're seeing a, a, a spike up and down on the number of children that are coming into care as a result of abuse. And, and that's for several different reasons, I think. Looking at all the national statistics and looking at our statistics in Georgia, we have over 7,000 children in foster care in Georgia. Uh, as a result of uh, deprivation rulings by a juvenile court. Deprivation in Georgia means physically or sexually abused, severely neglected or abandoned children. Uh, so we, we are seeing those numbers kind of go up and down and up and down. It depends on a, on the new commissioner in, in DFACS and uh, DHS and uh, the state director of DFACS. How that's qualified. How that's being qualified. But, but uh, our numbers have remained very consistent. Uh, Still a pretty big number. It is a big number. Bigger than it should be. Far greater than it should be. It'd be a wonderful thing if people like Christian City could close and go out of business in caring for children. But uh, thank God there are people that support our program and we're able to provide for those children and their families mm-hmm. what what is needed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you've got a huge staff. I had no idea you had that kind of staff. Well, is it all volunteer? Oh, no. No, it is not volunteer, although we use a lot of volunteers and mm-hmm. we can talk about that. But the... Uh, we, we currently have eight cottages, uh, that are available for our children, staffed with full-time mom and dad. Uh, we hire both the mother and the dad, the couple, uh, so that they'll both be available. That's not a typical, today, a typical arrangement. We have moms and dads out working, but we wanted these folks to be available. Our kids come with lots of dysfunction, lots of needs and issues. Uh, and so we wanted our folks to be there at all time. Uh, and they function like a family. I mean, as much as you can function as a family with eight children uh, in your home from many different backgrounds, cultures, uh, a lot of diversity in uh, education, uh, Social, social issues. Oh yeah, religion. Gosh, so many, uh, so, a, so a, many areas. So many, so many areas. A so, demanding job, a tremendously demanding oh. job. And I, you know, our our folks come and and they commit themselves there as a ministry. Mm-hmm. So they're there a lot longer than they are in a lot of institutions. We have house parents have been there twelve, fifteen years. Uh, a set that've been there thirty years. Uh, our lead house parents been there thirty seven years. They make that commitment. They follow these kids through, so that when they finally leave our program, uh, these kids come back. You know that's that's home for them. Yeah, yeah, that's home yeah, for that's them. Sure. What's the average stay? And how? You know, how does well, that happen? that number has changed. Those number of years have changed throughout the last ten years, uh, where we wouldn't. In years past, maybe in 1965, we admitted a child that was five. We might raise that child all the way through college. Uh, today, with our emphasis on reunification, rehabilitation, permanency for children, we're seeing that number drop dramatically. So some of our children do still come to us and stay with us all the way through their college experience. But the average, if there is an average, I, w- I would say it would be between three and five years. Hmm. So what's what's the also the average age out is well they is don't there a number no, no no they don't age out of our program a lot a lot of programs when children uh, young people turn seventeen they move on mm-hmm. you know it, it's kind of a predicament for the state uh, law enforcement considers children uh, seventeen and younger uh, to be children but the state mandates care for children 
through their age of 18. We, we follow our kids all the way through. When they graduate from our program, and by the way, we have a 100% high school graduation rate. We're real proud of that. When, when kids leave our program, they can remain with us in what we call our TLP program, our Transitional Living Program. When I first went there, that program was called ILP, Independent Living Program. But um, quite frankly, they're not too many 18-year-olds that are independent. You know, mm-hmm. and even my two sons graduated from college and came home, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know, that's not how this works. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you're supposed to go out and get a job, and move on. Uh, I'm thrilled to have my kids home, but uh, you know what? What we see with these kids, they don't have any other family resource, so. After they graduate from high school at the Children's Village, uh, from, from, uh, from, from the, whatever high school they're attending, mm-hmm. they have to either enter full-time some kind of educational pursuit. It might be college university. It might be tech or trade school. It might be beauty college. Doesn't matter to us. We want them to have some kind of skill and, and a career that they're developing. Mm-hmm. So they have to either do that full time or they do that part time and work part time. They can't just move into our TLP program and just kind of exist. We, we want them to be productive adults when they leave our program. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past year we had to, uh, in, in the last three years, we've had kids at Tuskegee University. We've had kids at Bernal University. Just had a young woman this year graduate from Bernal pre-med major. Uh, and uh, we have um, a young woman that just graduated from Emory University, was at a school of business. In fact, she's working pretty pretty lucrative uh, corporate job and has just decided to give that employment up. She's just graduated a year ago from Emory and is giving that up to come back to work for us in our runaway and homeless program, making far, far less than what she was making there. But she said, look, I came to Christian City when I was 12. Oh, yeah. And I know what you did for me. And I feel that need and that call to do that for somebody else. Uh, I got to believe you're going to get a lot. Man, is that not incredible? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's extremely rewarding. Touches my heart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It would anyone, uh, for sure. Uh, Phil Coons with uh, the Children's uh, Village at Christian City. We're learning a lot about a great program here today. So, uh, uh, Phil, tell us about how, uh, you know, how the donations or how the financial side of it works. Uh, it doesn't work as doesn't much work as, as we would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always need money. Yeah. Uh, any private nonprofit is looking for money. Uh, but, uh, are there grants? Uh, there are grants uh-huh. and foundations that we approach. Uh, we also are looking at uh, fundraising activities. But our bread and butter, what, what I call our bread and butter, is our child sponsorship program. Mm-hmm. Uh, most every nonprofit has that type of program. I, I call it a buck a day. Uh, thirty for $30 a month, you can help support, uh, a child at Christian City. You get a bio and those kind of things, but actually your $30 a month is supporting our program to care for all of our children. That doesn't begin to touch what it costs us. So it runs about $174 per day per child just to operate. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of those $30 sponsors. You know, um, you know, People could see me. They could see me. Uh, you know, I've got a Snickers uh, belly on me. I've had too many Snickers. And uh, the the m- amount of money I spend on Snickers and Starbucks coffee and chewing gum and uh, QT soft drinks, uh, I could easily afford a dollar a day to help take care of a child right here in, the, right here in our own backyard. Yeah. You know, it's important to support children all over this world. Well said. Uh, but, but I've become very... Uh, mm-hmm. Very protective of the children that are right here in our own backyard that need the same kind of care. Thank goodness. That's, that's, that's a, that's, that's very well said. Uh, so uh, 
tell us about if someone wants to volunteer uh, there. What, oh, you know what? what? It's a great to. place to volunteer. And mm-hmm. I don't say that because I work there. Uh, I became associated with Christian City back in 1965 when I was a, high, a college freshman. I just graduated from high school. My folks uh, grew up in Florida. Uh, and my folks supported one of the first little boys there uh, in 1965. So I've known about Christian City a long time. But it's an incredible place to be. The environment there is so positive and so focused and directed in caring for for everyone. You know, Christian City Incorporated uh, that opened as Christian City Incorporated opened as a home for children. But in the late 70s, we started expanding into those senior services. So our, our mission today is to care for not only uh, children, but the infirmed and uh, the seniors as well. So oh. there's lots of opportunities, you know, with that many people on that campus from ages five all the way through hospice care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that we're open 24 hours a day, every day of the year, mm-hmm. it gives folks who have busy schedules that are at work during the daytime hours or only have weekend hours off a lot of opportunities to volunteer. We we used to set up categories of volunteers. We don't do that anymore. We actually say, what what are you most comfortable doing? What's your skill set? What do you like to do? Then we plug you into that environment, whether it's working with our children at the Children's Village, uh, tutoring, uh, reading to children, coming as a group to play games, have a pizza night, whatever it might be. Uh, or whether it's escorting a senior adult down to rehab for their daily treatment or out to the pool for some exercise. So there's lots of things. People that want to get involved, man alive, we're going to sign you up. And uh, you easily can do that by calling Christian City, uh, 770-964-3309, 770-964-3309, and we will direct you to our volunteer coordinator and get you signed up. Great, great. Thank you, Phil. The, the, so the, another thing that I happen to notice uh, on your website is uh, uh, you guys handle a thrift store? Do we do. It? Let, me, let that, me tell you about that thrift store. Yeah, um, great Graceland it's called. Yeah, it's called Graceland. It's named for after, a reason. For a reason. Uh, it's named after Mama Grace Duke, uh, who was one of our early house parents. And her thought was, okay, I need to start asking people that I know and putting out a plea for blue jeans for our kids. We need some blue jeans. And so she was just inundated with blue jeans. And then she thought, well, what am I going to do with all these blue jeans? So maybe I can sell them for 50 cents or a dollar. And so she started doing that. Next thing you know, we were getting lots of donations and Graceland thrift store just kind of evolved. And today we have a brand new store it was just dedicated to mom grace duke mm-hmm. who has recently passed away and and also uh supported by truett kathy uh mm-hmm. the building's oh, dedicated excellent. to mama grace duke and truett kathy mm-hmm. they're both big supporters of ours and um so it's a wonderful place for brand new clothing brand new items as well as gently used as well as you know one man's junk's another man's treasure yeah yeah, yeah. and uh so it's a great place to be and to shop and what's the real beauty of Graceland Thrift Store is that the net proceeds from that thrift store help cover our educational cost of our children. It's completely dedicated. All the net proceeds benefit the Children's Village at Christian City. Always has. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we all get those calls, you know. Yes. Donate, you know, to yes. pick up your clothes. And yes. I can't, th- not to slight other organizations, no, but no. I can't think of a better one well, than thank to help you. children's than the You're Children's right. Center Village at Christian City. 
that would be great. I'm certainly going to donate. Uh, it's a fun place to shop. Uh, it's it's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get some great bargains there. I could imagine. So, uh, and it, and it's open every day but Sunday. So uh, it's okay. located right on our campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our campus so easily accessible off of Interstate uh, 85 South onto 138 and then onto Lester Road. It's a great place to be. Okay, Phil. So on a light side, uh, I yeah. also noticed on your website your leadership team, and you all have these big bow ties. What is going on with the <laughs> you know, huge you know big what? bow ties? <laughs> I'm not a bow tie wearer, you know, because if I put on a bow tie and with the belly that I've got, it would well, be, be a lot of space <laughs> in between. But uh, we, we posed that picture uh, for – one of our former uh, senior executives that had left us uh, who wore bow tie every day. Yeah. But uh, it, it's just a really fun place. Our CEO and president, Bob Crutchfield, has been there over 25 years. Uh, it's just He's just the second uh, CEO and president, followed by our founder, Bob Puckett. Uh, and uh, that's that's a great staff that's dedicated to work there. It's hard work. It's heart-hurting and heartwarming work. Mm-hmm. Uh, to work with children and seniors that are in such great need. So, my gosh, you know, thank you so much for uh, what what you want to do, um, and uh, for the people that are dedicated there. My my staff works so hard. Uh, I don't know that I could be a house parent at the Children's Village. Uh, mm-hmm. These people uh, pour their heart out yeah. and care for these children as well as the staff that take care of our senior citizens. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, great staff. Great staff. So do you guys have your own, since uh, Dr. Uh, Judith here is uh, uh, mm-hmm. medical side, do you guys have your own Yeah, I wish she was a heck of a lot closer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we, we do have uh, on staff uh, for the seniors, you know, there's a mm-hmm. podiatrist and there's a mm-hmm. physician and there's hearing and those kind of things that those of us that are in the senior bracket are now enjoying and needing. Uh, but uh, we, we utilize a local pediatrician. Uh, a private pediatrician for our children's care. Okay. Uh, Help a Child Smile Dental mobile van came to our campus for many years. That now no longer is in existence, but we have local dentists that are seeing our children. Okay. Um, and, and let me tell you a little bit about staff. You asked me about those bow ties. Some of the people that aren't in that program are the are the staff at the Children's Village. Our two caseworkers, Jill and Kelvin Thompson, are a married couple. They've been there 25 years. She's a licensed clinical social worker. He's a licensed professional counselor. That's not their role to do counseling, but it gives them an extra added benefit, a tremendous benefit mm-hmm. in caring for our children. Okay. Our program director there is Anna Acock, a, a new young woman who also is a master's and licensed counselor. I'm, I'm a master's counselor and license. So it, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to have the kind of staff that can meet the needs of those children. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Okay. been listening with to uh, Phil Coons. He's the COO at the Children's Village at Christian City here in Union City. Yeah. Um, so, Phil, what what else have we not talked about? Well, let what me, do we need let me tell, well, let me tell you one other program that I think is extremely important, and that's Project Safe Place. Okay. Uh, Project Safe Place started in Louisville, Kentucky, back in 93 as a result of a child going into a local fire station that needed some help. They needed a place to go. They said they couldn't return home. They weren't alleging abuse. They just said, I'm afraid to go home. I can't go home. And uh, the YMCA said, well, we don't know what to do with this child. So they called the fire department. And the Louisville Fire Department said, well, we don't know what to do. So they called the YMCA and put this child up. And thus 
was launched the National Safe Place Program for Runaway and Homeless Youth. Uh, the Children's Village at Christian City is a licensed National Safe Place Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work especially close with QT gas stations. Uh, next time you drive by QT gas station, notice there's a yellow diamond hanging on one of their light poles. It says safe place. Whereas you go in the door to get your coffee or donut or whatever, on each side of the door, there's a yellow diamond that says safe place. We distribute cards throughout all of the community. We're active in our community. Uh, we cover 80 QT locations. Uh, we cover all of metropolitan Atlanta and as far west as Tallapoosa. And we go to those locations. A uh, child goes in there and say, I need help. And they're not alleging abuse or neglect, but mom or dad's kicked them out or they've run away from home and they're afraid to go home. Uh, we intercept that child within the first hour of the call. We make contact with their family immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, say your child's with us. What's going on? Can we talk about this. It's generally in the middle of the night. Very few kids run away from home at uh, two or four in the afternoon. In fact, night just night before last, I was done with a child until two o'clock in the morning that uh, had gone into QT service station. And we bring that child back to our campus if we can't get the parent to come to the QT and work out something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we are under licensure to keep that child for 14 days without state involvement. Uh, so therefore it's not like having to put a child into the state system, get them back out. And, uh, if the family then cannot be rehabilitated or do not want the child to come home or the child refuses to go home, then we work with that family to put that child with us as a private placement. Uh, we have two types of placement, private, you and I placing our children and public through defects. So privately placed children can stay there under safe place for 14 days that doesn't work out. The family can sign in their child into our care for as long as it's needed until we can reunite that family. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that child should begin to allege that there was abuse, we're mandated reporters. We have to give that to the State Department of Family and Children's Services. And then it becomes a state custody case, and that child may or may not be placed back with us. It's an incredible program. It, You know, we all, we all have uh, circumstances that put us on edge. And uh, we run into we run into snafus where it's a kind of a lose lose, and we need a cooling off period. Mm-hmm. It's not just because a kid gets mad because they can't drive the car, or they don't get a pair of uh, polo jeans, or whatever it is. It's because there truly is some desperate need for quick help. It's a great program. That's a great program. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. Safe, safe place. place. And uh, and with QT that that's uh, I'm going to look for that for those uh, logos. Do. Uh, that's and everyone should, should yeah. Pay they're the national to that. sponsor. It's a yeah, great program. Like, is there anything else? Uh, programs or anything else we need to add to the program today? No, just uh, huh? thank thank you so much for having us oh. on here and for letting us uh, talk about our program. You know, we're always looking for volunteers, especially males. Uh, to help us uh, give a good positive image to both our boys and our girls about mm-hmm. people that really care. Uh, we we pledge a commitment to have top-rate services at that, that facility. Uh, you know, one thing that I encourage our kids to do is it's so easy for kids that are deprived and uh, neglected to develop some entitlement. You know, look what's happened to me. You need to take care of me. We're sorry that that's what's happened, but uh, we do provide for their care. But we turn around and encourage those children. Um, we, one of our boys' cottages uh, to serve others. One of those boys' cottages went downtown recently, distributed 300 pack lunches that they packed to the homeless. 
uh, our one of our girls' cottages adopted one of our seniors uh, on our facility that had no family visit her at all, and they bought her a nightgown, and they took her cookies, and they go visit her. Our kids cut grass on campus. It's, it's just all about community. Mm-hmm. That's a community involvement, and we need this Atlanta community to embrace this kind of program. We have to get young kids back on track. Yes, you that do. Are, that are heading down the wrong path. Yes, you do. So, uh, Phil, tell us again. Uh, we can't say it enough how people can reach out to your organization to get help or to get involved in helping you. Thank you for that reminder. Um, you can call us at Christian City at 770-964-3309. You can go on our website. We've got an incredible website that tells you about all of our programs, www. Dot christiancity.org and we'd love to hear from you thank you phil thank you that's great uh, you've been listening to silver lining in the cloud where we talk business to business thank you to our guest today dr judith dennis from roswell urgent care center and phil coons from the children's village at christian city we appreciate you all for what you do to bring better business to our community and in terms of service and value and employment Again, thank you so much for what you all do and for being on the show. I'm Dominic Rainey with CDI Managed Services, where we provide outsourced IT support and cloud solutions. To listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to outsourced IT support, migrating your IT infrastructure to the cloud, CDI Managed Services is your silver lining in the cloud.